everyone to the 12th episode of the rest podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. Now this topic, I know everyone is probably dying to hear. uh, So we'll jump right in. Dr. Robert and Ellen Hempton, thank you for coming back. Thank you so much for having us. Happy to have you. Hi, Virginia. Hi. I'm glad glad to be back as well. Thank you for staying to record this second segment with us. Absolutely. We have had quite a journey. The role confusion in the home that slowly creeped in, Mm -hmm. and we all get into our modes of functioning and coping, and years and decades pass, and we realize, wait, we've drifted. I think there is dis-ease in the process, but we're all so busy and there's so much to do and there's so many distractions that it isn't until something overcomes us, like an illness of one of our children, that really triggers us so profoundly that it causes us to stop and rethink things, especially when a life is at stake, the life of one of your children. I want to thank you both so much for trusting me with your daughter and for trusting me with your marriage and your family and your life because you both so willingly stepped into a place of rest and you're willing to reconcile the conflicts you had within yourself and then step back and engage each other differently. And that takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of practice, especially when you're also trying to save your daughter's life. The consequence of your effort and the consequence of our work has been significant. You said something really interesting, Ellen. In the last segment, we spoke about men being sensitive and women being emotional. And I had mentioned that I think sensitivity is essential for strong leadership because sensitivity is often must be driven by deep convictions. And you can't be out to make friends or influence people when you're driven by deep conviction about something. You have to have the courage and strength to do the right thing. I also talk about how women are emotional, and I love that because I think women have an incredible capacity to access all kinds of feelings and emote in a variety of different ways that is essential to come under one mission, right, and collaborate with that authority. And the combination of those two things is powerful, and it establishes lawful authority in a home and it creates secure kids. I think the consequence of what's happened during the last, since the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, arguably perhaps since the beginning of time, right? There's this struggle between men and women to understand what those roles are and what a healthy family looks like. But today I want to just focus specifically on how growing in the understanding of that dynamic how it's impacted how you perceive Robert and Robert, how you perceive Ellen. You said something interesting during break, and I wanted you to elaborate on it, how Robert is able to cry more. Oh, yes. He's very emotional, which is a beautiful thing. He has such sensitivity, and which is unique in a man. You don't usually see that. So uh, that's one of the things that really draws me to him and it's been instrumental in helping i just want to interject it's been instrumental robert in helping your daughter heal i know that moves you what do you think about that (laughs) as you cry i I just didn't know that you thought that 
it's helpful to her healing that the changes that are going on. I mean, I focus more on how Emily's feeling, and it's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour struggle to try to be supportive and be patient as she struggles with pain and nausea, vomiting, fatigue, fear. It takes a strong man to cry. It does. So thank you. Oh. Thank you. I've been told that it's a sign of weakness. Well, a a whole generation's been told that. It's a lie. The strongest men I know, the healthiest men I know, are not afraid to cry. Well, on that point, I've stopped working as of this year, February 14th, actually. was the last day that I worked or planned to work. Just in case someone's joining us, tell everyone what you do. I was an orthopedic surgeon. I had finished operating, but I was still seeing patients rounding in the hospital after other surgeons had operated on them. It was a nice way to take some of the stress away. But actually, February 14th was my last day, and a month or two later, just recently, I I thought about it, and I thought, wow, that, that was a... A decrease in stress, but now it's it's been 50 years of medicine in my life. Wow. And it's now over. I felt stress. It's always there as every patient I hear about or see has needs, has fears about how is this going to turn out for me? Will I be okay? I pick up those stresses, fears, and concerns and wanted to do the best for them. When I just recently thought about it was with Ellen, and I I just revealed how that stress had been held in for really 50 years, Mm, and and now it's over, and I made it. There was not a a catastrophe. I did not not fail badly. Now that stress is off, and it's a tremendous relief. That was healing, just to to share that with Ellen and and say, that stress is gone. I mean, it's, it's such a relief. Yeah. And now I feel I can can open up and, and live more and be more involved in the family. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a lot. It's a lot of responsibility, and you worry about somebody being disabled because of you. And I mean, you can help them, but you also don't want to impair them. Right. Well, the consequence of how you managed to interact and the fruit of it in the family was consistent with some of the things Gregory was identifying which was he didn't have a sense of, he didn't know really who he was. There was an insecurity. There's a, an, a crisis of, an identity crisis of sorts and looking for a place to fit. Understanding that that's the, when there's a measure of confusion and chaos and disease in the home and when roles are reversed, how it can leave the kids feeling like they're in a free fall. I think Gregory's commentary on what it is to be the child in a home where there's confusion and chaos and disease, and a dad is not able to communicate and be vulnerable in the ways that you just were. And a mom is not able to identify and regulate unhealthy emotions and feelings in such a way that can support the husband and help him feel safe. When that doesn't happen in a home, right, there's confusion and chaos and disease, but you have managed to shift that significantly. Tell us a little bit about what that's like. <laughs> Virginia's looking at you. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure I'm following um, how it's... Like what? Like what anxieties did you go through? Because that's a huge shift Because now you have to deal with your daughter's... So let me pose the question a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's one thing when you deal with yourself. Yeah, it's one thing when you're dealing with yourselves, 
Robert is able to harness what's happening inside of him, and now he's able to identify what it is to be a surgeon, a very successful surgeon after 50 years. And he's able to identify that behind that sensitivity and those feelings and that immense responsibility, there's this, these tears, there's this release, and it's helped him regulate. Mm-hmm. That's his part in it. His daughters are endeared by what they see in him to the point that it's been it's brought about and ushered in significant healing in Emily. His vulnerability has played a significant role in healing her cancer. That's a, that's powerful. Your humility, Ellen, and your desire to change as well and to grow as well and to support this necessary change has been instrumental in her healing as well. But now as you look at your daughter, how is that manifesting day to day in how you relate to her and how you relate to each other? Because it's sloppy. Healing is sloppy. It's not easy. Well, I, I'll say the silver lining in this horrible diagnosis is that it has made Ellen and me look at each other and learn and work through you and work on our relationship because many people, couples fall apart. Yes, they do. And it has been hard. I think we hit a low point, perhaps around Christmas time. But uh, since then, reading, studying, working with you, I feel our relationship is the best it's ever been. And the consequence of that is your daughter's healing. And she's healing cancer. I remember seeing her in crutches, really wondering if she was going to make it another month, mm-hmm. another week or two. It was gru- a grueling thing to watch. But I remember thinking, Virginia, don't look to the right and don't look to the left. Restore lawful authority in the home. Help them understand clearly how to shift the balance of power. The consequence of it will immediately help everyone regulate. And the confusion, chaos, and disease inside of Emily, reconciling that by watching you too, because you have all the power and the authority in her life and in her home. She's like a child right right now. It's been amazing to watch how her body's responded just because she's not carrying the anxiety. I think we've had to stay really calm, and that's helped too, because I mean, we had so much fear going through this and anxiety as well, and that's projected onto her. She's looking to us, you know, for help. That's the hope for families watching and listen, excuse me, families listening. That is the hope that no matter how old your kids are, no matter what parent, what your marriage was like, no matter what your marriage became because of crisis or trauma or whatever, where you're at, where your kids are at, that you can bring significant healing into a family as mom and dad and children begin to interact and have really healthy conversations with each other about themselves. When home becomes a safe place to be authentic and to be real and to have conversations. And to your point, Robert, sometimes it's not pretty. Things can get a lot uglier before they get better. But I think you too can give the Gregories of the world a lot of hope that if the healing and the reconciliation does not come from the top down, meaning mom and dad figure it out and come down, right? That the child has a lot of power in that relationship too because they can reconcile the issues within themselves as I've helped Emily do. 
So this has been a three-way process, right? I worked with Robert individually. I worked with you individually. I worked with Emily individually. And then we worked with you guys together. I think that's the hope we want to give, that things don't end. Parenting doesn't end when your kids leave home. Mm -hmm. Parenting doesn't end when your kid gets a cancer diagnosis. Parenting and love and family doesn't end because mom cheats or dad cheats or there's a divorce, a pending divorce. Nothing ends. We're a family forever. And the process of reconciling all these complex dynamics in a family can take many different forms and shapes, but it can be life-giving, even though it's messy. And I think it's important to be willing to change. I mean, I think we all come from dysfunctional homes to a certain extent, and that's what we witness, and there isn't any education, and nobody examines your family or points these things out sometimes until you get into a crisis and you're desperate and you're on your knees and you're basically like, okay, tell me what I need to do. You know, that's when you're motivated to change. A lot of times I don't think we're motivated as much. Until we suffer. Right. But when all of a sudden we're suffering and we want to, we want help, you're willing to put your life, your family under a microscope and say, okay, you know, examine where we're going wrong. What can we do different? I don't care how old we are, you know, we'll grow, we'll change, you know, we can mix this up a little bit. And it's, it comes down to education. And that's why you need an expert like Virginia um, to enlighten you and open your eyes to see where you're going wrong and to be humble enough to accept responsibility for those things and not say, oh, it's not me. You know, I'm not that way. It's and point the blame at somebody else. It's that's so easy. That's childish, but we all do that. And And, and ineffective. Childish and ineffective. (laughs) Right, right. And it's like, okay, what part do I have? And it's never one person. It's, It's multifactorial, just like cancer is. And we all have a contribution to it, each taking responsibility and how can we work this better? And, you know, it's like you said, it's messy. It's then reviewing, well, how did that go afterwards? Well, it was better. We did better on this, but maybe we shouldn't have done this. And, you know, it's it's like a, a game. Uh, and you, like, and I don't mean your family is a game or life's a game. It's a but, dance, like you said before. Yeah, it's a dance. but a coach reviews the game afterwards and how it went. And, and that's... Sometimes what we need to do is look at like, okay, we made some changes, but I didn't say what I wanted to say, or this didn't come across well. Okay, next time. So mm-hmm. it's a process of evolving and, and, and applying these lessons. Self-reflection. You can learn it, but how do you apply it? You know, sometimes you can read it, but that's where the trick comes yeah, in. Yeah. And there's a time to plant, right? There's a time. We always talk about the farmer, the warrior, and the athlete. Mm-hmm. There's a time to plant, there's a time to train, and then there's a time to fight. You talked about the expertise, I think, that we all have is our capacity to wonder. Okay, this is happening. I wonder how it can be better. Mm-hmm. I wonder what my part is in this. I wonder if this is a season of planting. Is it a season of training or if it's a season to fight? And in your case, when we're dealing with cancer... It's all of it any given day and any given conversation. And we have to be flexible and have the capacity, I think, in the self-awareness, the sensitivity, and the capacity to regulate, to go into all of those camps relatively quickly. That first meeting we had, some things were planted. We had to do some gardening, pull some roots up, plant some things, right? 
And then we had to do a little bit of real quick training. Hold on. We're going to do this here, right? And then we had to show up for the fight, too, to say, no, wait, I've got this, Emily. I know what we have to do. Just trust me. So sometimes those three dynamics become imperative in the course of a conversation. Sometimes we can look at those three roles, right, in the course of a lifetime or in the course of a marriage. But I think we have to have the flexibility to think outside the box and to listen to each other very carefully so that we can establish order. Healing's about freedom. Mm -hmm. I think healing a marriage or healing a disease, it's about freedom. And freedom is about liberty. And liberty is our capacity to reconcile these internal conflicts we have about ourselves. And as we're able to do that, we live with great measures of freedom, and therein lies our capacity to heal. And I always say healing is not about trying to save somebody's life. It's about helping people live with greater measures of freedom than they did yesterday. And I think you individually have done that, and I think Emily has done that, and it's displaced the confusion and the chaos and the dis-ease. And you're able to just learn together so many things in so many beautiful ways. Yeah, it's messy, but there's been such a huge shift in the dynamic in your home. And I listen to Gregory and I go back to him because he launched this conversation in the home that built me. And that's all he's hungering for, I think, is that conversation and people willing to engage in it. Everyone longs to be seen, heard, understood, above all else. And that's what it is to love well. And I think when we love well, we've accessed the liberty that we can reconcile in our soul in order to live free. And it's an amazing thing to watch. And you've done it with excellence. Something that I actually really want to comment on was something that you had said was, you know, you focused on your on yourselves first right on like Emily focus on herself Ellen focus on her and then Robert focus on himself and then the family dynamic it was able to change and come together and something that I think a lot of people don't see and it was even commented on is that it's so easy for us to blame people around us for the circumstances that we're in or the dynamic that we're in and be like oh well you're doing this so you're the reason why this is happening versus actually looking inward and be like okay well what am I doing that's responsibility exactly holding responsibility and taking ownership of that and what I I find really interesting and I've heard people say this before too but some people still haven't heard it is that if you want your situation to change you have to change yourself first and changing yourself first the situation and the things around you and even the people around you see that example and they themselves start to change because now they're responding to you in a different way now that you've changed you're not reacting to them you're not responding to them in the way that you used to they almost in a way, are forced to change because you've changed. It's a natural consequence. But when we're talking about home, right, yeah. and mom and dad establishing, mm-hmm. they need to establish that culture in the home. Yeah. And you've done that with excellence. And that's why I wanted everyone to hear from you this afternoon. But thank you for that. Yeah. Because I think that's true. But you've set the tone for that in the home. And that's been a beautiful thing. And it's your daughter's healing as a result of it. And it's an incredible thing to watch. And she'll carry that into her relationships and her marriage. Yeah, that's the legacy is is breaking the dysfunction, you know. Absolutely. So that they can go forth and have healthy relationships and looking at that dynamic and 
making sure it's more balanced. Maybe a good closing thought would be if there is confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in your home, I would encourage everyone listening to look inward. Mm -hmm. Go look at the resources we've published and we've put forth in the last several episodes and, and on our website. And there's incredible resources there to reconcile the conflict within yourself. As you find that peace, you will encounter a conversation with God and a conversation with his spiritual constituent that we don't, we're not very well acquainted with, right? And then the consequence is this peace we enjoy with other people. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful pilgrimage. It's been an honor to work with both of you. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you yes. We are... Very, very blessed, and uh, we're learning more. Every time we, we see you, we listen to you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been a blessing to Emily and our whole family. It really opened our eyes and enlightened us, educated us, things that we never experienced. As you have me. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. We love you too. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. All right. So thank you everyone for listening to the rest podcast and the home that built me series for everyone who is local and in the area, or if you'd like to fly by all means, you're welcome. Our next afternoon of rest will be on July 9th. So keep an eye on the events page of our website for the topic Virginia will be covering and the registration. Our next focus will be on the hunger that drives me for our podcast, and that's going to be featuring Catherine Dang. She's the president and founder of the Philomath Foundation, so make sure to tune into that. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. <laughs>